Welcome to the Grant Writing and Funding Podcast, where it's all about, you guessed it, grant writing and funding made easy so you can increase capacity, grow funding, and advance your nonprofit or freelance mission. Now, let's hand it over to your host, grants expert and author Holly Rustic, so you can increase your funding and drive impact. Hello, hello, hello. It's Holly Rustic here with Grant Writing and Funding, and welcome to the Grant Writing and Funding podcast show, where every week I help you grow capacity, increase funding, and to advance mission. Now, that might be the mission of the nonprofit that you're working at, or if you're a nonprofit consultant, the many different missions of the nonprofits that you work with. All right, so let's go ahead and talk about today's episode. We have another amazing guest on the show today, Mr. Steve Boland, and he is going to be talking about something that I actually get a lot of questions about. Now, what that question is, here's a question I get a lot from those who are nonprofit consultants and a lot of freelance grant writers who are just starting to work with clients, and they'll say, oh my goodness, Holly, how do I get these nonprofit clients Give me the documents that I'm asking for so I can write their grants. Okay, so we get this question quite a bit. And he's going to be talking about how you can best collaborate as a nonprofit consultant with nonprofit clients and how you can kind of mitigate that bottlenecking of trying to get information um, and, and all of that. So this is a really great episode. I really love it because, like I said, I get this question a lot. And I used to face this issue a lot when I first started writing grants with clients as well because it was like, yes, I'm on board, I'm ready to go, but I need these documents and then I wasn't able to get them in a timely manner, or I wasn't able to get, I'd send them a draft, I wouldn't get it reviewed on time and all of that. And the thing is, is that, I mean, it's not just like, oh my gosh, they're out, (laughs) nonprofits are out to get the, the consultants. It's not that at all. It's they're busy, right? And if you don't set up expectations from the beginning, that's what's going to get you into that mess. So he's really going to talk about it from a consultant point of view. But He's also going to talk about it from the nonprofit organization point of view as far as, you know, it's a relationship, right? It's a two-sided relationship. So we're um, going to touch on a lot of that today. So you're definitely going to want to jump over to grantwritingandfunding.com forward slash 223 for all of today's show notes as well. And let me go ahead and introduce Steve because he is pretty amazing. Steve Boland is a nonprofit veteran with over 25 years of experience helping charities grow with new ideas in fundraising and communications. Steve has presented over 100 learning sessions on topics such as crowdfunding, fundraising infrastructure, and social media strategy for nonprofits. As a graduate of the University of Minnesota Twin Cities, Steve holds a Master's of Nonprofit Management, and we actually talk about this a little bit, from Hamlin University, and is an alumnus of the Shannon Leadership Institute. Steve is also the managing partner of Next in Nonprofits, a consulting and service-based firm focused on building engagement for charities. And he is also a podcast host of Next in Nonprofits. So you, I know you guys out there are podcast listeners, so definitely jump over. Uh, check out Next in Nonprofits. He has a lot of great information, a lot of great podcast episodes. Um, you're definitely going to want to subscribe to that as well. All right, before we get to talk to Steve today, I just want to bring a word from our sponsor, Grant Writing and Funding. Uh, please do visit grantwritingandfunding.com to join our free hub haven where you're going to get a ton of free grant writing resources. If you're interested in becoming a nonprofit consultant or freelance grant writer, 
ton of stuff there, as well as getting your nonprofit grant uh, ready. So definitely jump over to grantwritingandfunding.com for all of those free resources. We also have trainings coming up. We have a ton of things. We have our nonprofit consulting conference coming up in August that those of you who are interested in becoming a nonprofit consultant or already are one, you'll definitely want to attend that. So do jump over to grantwritingandfunding.com for more information. And for all of the show notes for today, grantwritingandfunding.com forward slash 223. All right, without further ado, here's Steve. We have a special, special show, and that's with Steve Bullen of Nexon Nonprofits. And I'm really excited. I can just give a little wave. I love it. I'm like <laughs> in my living room today doing the recording. <laughs> He's like after five. So it's a lot of fun today. So thank you for joining me in your, from your evening time. Oh, absolutely. I really appreciate you being in, uh, willing to have this conversation. I'm excited about this topic today. Yes, yes. And that topic that he's talking about, you guys, this is something to tune into freelance grant writer, or even someone who's in the nonprofit executive director, if you're working with consultants, you are going to want to listen to this or if you are a consultant. And that is one of the questions I get so much. And we were talking about this is, you know, how do I collaborate? And it's not really maybe that question because they don't really know how to articulate the question until later sometimes, but yeah. how do I collaborate with a nonprofit when I'm writing grants? And the same thing from a nonprofit leader who's working with a consultant is, should, how much should I be doing in this process? And how much should they be doing in the process? I know it's a partnership, it's a collaboration, but where are boundaries and where are lines? So you had mentioned you wanted to talk about that today. And I said, oh, thank you so much, because I do get that question a lot, right? So I'm really excited we're going to dive into that. But before we do, I just want to introduce you. And I just want to also like bring up your podcast, because I was on your podcast a little while ago. So thank you so much for having me on there. Mm -hmm. And that's Next in nonprofits, it's super awesome. You guys, if you love watching or listening to this podcast, you're definitely going to want to add Steve's podcast to your list, to your subscription as well, because it covers a lot of different things in nonprofits as well. So definitely, definitely, definitely great information there. And Steve, you're, you've been in this for more than 25 years. You actually have your master's in nonprofit management which is kind of rare. And I think that's a little yeah. bit more upcoming now. So you've been doing fundraising, collaboration with nonprofits for more than 25 years with your company next to nonprofits and, and doing other work as well. So I just want to give you the opportunity to kind of talk about it for a minute. Well, thanks. I mean, I think it is interesting. Uh, I started Next in Nonprofits to work with uh, charities on things like fundraising and communications work because of that master's program that I ended up in a business school, uh, not thinking to myself, boy, what I really want to do is go back to school this late in my life because I had already had my professional career. I was doing these things. But I did note that there were other folks getting better opportunities in the nonprofit sector when they had that advanced degree. And I'm like, oh, I'm missing out on some things. People are looking for that credential. So I looked around, found a program in nonprofit management. As you said, more of them all the time, really becoming more of an availability for those of us that are really committed to working here and loved what I learned in, in that process and really wanted to take it to a broader community because prior to starting this consultancy, I had been on staff for nonprofits in various roles, executive director, uh, program director roles, and enjoyed that. But I really love being able to work with a wider 
range of charities that we get to do as grant writing professionals and as consultants in this field. So been doing that for nine years now uh, after having had those other roles and uh, really excited about what that means. Uh, but also think I've picked up a few things about working with uh, the folks that are still on staff in the charities that we support about how to get this work done right. Yeah, yeah, and I and I love that. I love that. Um, that was something that you went back into because you saw it more out there. Like when I was back doing, you know, in my education too, that just wasn't a big thing, like nonprofit degrees or anything. It just wasn't really, you know, a big thing. So I'm glad that you saw that opportunity and were like, hey, you know what? This this could get me kind of further along, or I'd learn more about the sector, etc. So um, really interesting. Like, what was one of your biggest takeaways from that specific degree as well, nonprofit management? Well, you know, having worked in the sector for as long as I had at that point, 15 plus years, uh, when I started school, I'm like, oh, gosh, I've got to go through this trudgery to prove to these people that I know what I'm talking about. And, and I just have to check these boxes and go through this. And I was really surprised in the range of the curriculum of things that I had never had formally presented to me as a staff member of a nonprofit that were really smart thinking, good tactical ideas. We've all been through a strategic planning process or two in our time at nonprofit organizations, but to have a structured class on the benefit of a real strategic plan was just fantastic. Uh, to really go through a fund development plan being developed in an academic setting as opposed to being influenced by everything of the exigencies of what we were doing in that moment. We've done fund development plans before, but it's always for this one charity, right? And if you take it outside of the context of that particular nonprofit mission and really think about a, an annual plan that can support that work in an academic setting, it, it really opened my eyes to some things. So I, I came in just convinced they couldn't teach me anything and left going, wow, I I learned a lot. It was really good. I love that. I love that. And, you know, um, also to look at it as well, I'm wondering, are they talking more about like inclusiveness now in these programs? Are they talking more about some of these specific challenges that nonprofits have, maybe apart from just the funding, right? But as far as like equity and, and especially in the management field, like, did you have any of that yeah. or... You know, I don't think nearly enough. Uh, I, I graduated in 2011, so it is a little while ago now. And mm -hmm. as you said, this whole field of study is kind of newer. Okay. So it's evolving. I do hope that more uh, organizations are really taking to heart the need to understand the uh, the nature of who is running these organizations that are supposed to be improving our communities. How did they get to those places? Uh, it was still a, a, a pretty white middle-class space that I was in at the time. Uh, mm -hmm. I hope we're seeing uh, broadening of that happening in those programs now. Okay, great. Yeah, yeah, I wasn't sure. Okay, so back in 2011, so it has been a little while. Yeah, yeah definitely. But that's so cool, you know, it, and it is, that's another question I get too, is should I get a degree like in something specific with nonprofit work? And for me, it's always like, well, is that something you really want to do? You know, what is your trajectory? Yeah. You know, that kind of thing. But can you, can you kind of answer that too, since you've been in it? Because I haven't actually taken a nonprofit degree. Well, I, I do think that if your ultimate goals for yourself are that I, I want these opportunities to lead these types of nonprofits, I want to be a program manager in this thing, I want to be a fundraising director in this, I do think that an advanced degree does open doors that a bachelor's degree just does not. I don't know that it makes a lot of difference at the bachelor's level as your four-year degree if, if it's, you know, I study political science in, in my uh, undergraduate degree. You know, if it's sociology. Oh, yeah? <laughs> yeah. Well, there wasn't a nonprofit degree back when I was doing that exactly. originally. So, 
<laughs> so poli sci is like we want the world to be a better place political science here we go um but sociology women's studies you know mm -hmm. uh, there's all kinds of of good programs at the four-year level that I, I think could translate very well into a good nonprofit career. But if you're looking for that extra edge in a, in a boost up in a, a higher level opportunity, I do think a lot of those are, are the interviews are going to people that have that advanced degree and that's important. So that said, if you're a consultant, you're building your own consultancy, the, the, context of a degree or background is helpful, but I also think that the biggest thing there is to show a productive relationship with other clients that somebody can grab onto. So if you're brand new as a grant writer, you've just started this work, uh, being able to demonstrate, I do have some value to add here. I've got some things to show you about how we've done this work before. Bring it out, show that. I think that's going to have more impact on um, the growing of a business that way than a degree would. Uh, but I do think if, if you're hoping to be on staff at a charity, that degree open stores that are closed to a lot of people that don't have them. Yeah, absolutely. Great, great answer for that. Yeah, because it is, it's, I always say, well, the best way to become a better grant writer is to write grants. <laughs> you, know? Yep. So, you know, it's like, yep. And some people just want to get kind of putting that off and well, I got to learn more and I got to study more and I got to do this. And I'm like, oh, you will learn a lot when you write a grant. So, you know, so yeah, it yeah. is like understanding it, but yeah, sometimes um, getting in the weeds of academia instead of doing the application, right? But sometimes it yeah. is, like you said, it's also, it could be, you know, if you're looking to be an executive director or a manager to have a specific higher education degree, it could be a really great, um, you know, it could be a great journey for you. So, mm -hmm. yeah, so awesome, awesome. Thank you for sharing that. Um, and a little off topic from today, but I thought, hey, you've got it, I wanna talk about it. <laughs> sure. <laughs> yeah, so now I wanna get into our topic for today that we were talking about as far as collaborating. How can consultants really collaborate well, especially in grant writing with nonprofit organizations and vice versa, right? Like how can that collaboration be on both sides and you know, expectations, all of that. So like, what are, I know you wanted to really talk about that. So let's kind of start, start with that bigger picture of what that really means maybe and then you can lead us through the process. That would be great. Absolutely, because there's a few things that brought this to mind when we were talking before but recording that uh, I thought we should really talk about this uh, on the podcast and go over it a little bit more because there are some uh, organizations that are seeking help with their grant structure, their writing that are really thinking more about research and planning and whatnot. And then they've got some staff members that they feel are going to take on some responsibilities. And they're hiring you for that level of insight into what a plan may look like. And that's great. But a lot of folks come to our organization at Next to Nonprofits, not just for that plan, but they want somebody to do the hard work of writing the drafts, keeping them on schedule, making sure they get reviewed, get all the attachments right. They want all of that, that technical stuff done for them. And if that's the case, there's an awful lot that as good, smart writers, we can contribute to that process, but we're not the program managers. We're not the people that are interviewing the clients on the street. We're not doing those things. And when we get to those parts of the grant application, it really is important for us to be extremely clear about how are we going to get that really good descriptive information of how that program works when that's what that grant is asking for or what those program outcomes are supposed to be when that application requests those things. So we can do a bunch without being experts, but then we need to think about how are we collaborating with the experts to get the right info. And I think there's a couple of ways to think about that. One, and I have some clients that do this, is they really want me to 
keep the process rolling and do all of the stuff that can be done by a uh, outsourced partner that reads well and is smart and does all the right things and then hand it over to them to fill in the blanks that I just didn't have the access to information for. And they come in and snap those last pieces into place. Then I have to go back through for a, a tone of voice edit to really make sure that the, the whole grant flows because whoever is coming in with those pieces probably will, will have a different perspective. So we'll, we'll clean it to make sure that it goes through. But that's one way to do it is really have that conversation ahead of time that when it comes to the specific pieces that aren't so easy to write down if you're not the program director that will fill in everything else and leave those those holes in the application hand it to you for a version we get it back to clean up then we do a final review and and move on but it's also very possible and i have clients like this where they just don't feel like any of their team members are good at writing that kind of thing that no matter what it is and it really then falls to us to figure out what is the relationship going to look like to be collaborative for the right information and for me, that turns me into a journalist, right? We're now interviewing staff and talking to them and taking notes and going through this, and they're not writing anything down. We're getting the information from them in a conversation. And that is a very different style from please write this, fill in all the numbers and all the rest of it to I need to schedule a half an hour of your time program manager or you know whoever is the right smart person at the nonprofit we're working with to just ask you questions about how this particular part of the grant application fits. And especially when it's numbers, I need to know how many people you served. I need to know how many people you wanna serve. I need to know what locations they're going to. I need to know these things. And I can just ask those questions and get the information and then I can do the narrative part from there. Uh, but those are different ways of handling it. And that clarity with the nonprofit client to understand that is just so important to have. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. I love it. I love showing those two different examples because you're completely right. Those are basically the two different styles of clients that I work with as well, right? It's that one that, you know, maybe they've written a lot more grants and they have a lot more confidence and they understand the process and they're like, do a majority, we'll fill in the rest. Like, and then, like you said, you go over for that, that tone of voice. Um, and then I have the other ones who are like, uh, we don't even have resumes. <laughs> Right. that I need to attach and like create and you know all of that thing so the ones like oh yeah we got letters of support already written up we already have templates for that the other one's like I have no idea what you're talking about so it's like you know and and understanding them from the from the consultant's point of view those are two very different types of workloads as well so even for pricing right when you're considering how much are you going to charge? Like one's going to be a lot more of your work, you know, potentially. So also kind of looking at that, I mean, is that something that you factor in when you look at what type of client that you're kind of working with? You know, we've been getting more intentional about that at Next to Nonprofits of really understanding um, everything about what those grants are going to look like for that client, including how much time and energy do we need to put into getting that information from them. If it's something where they've, you know, we've already established our seven-year-old Google Drive that's got our case studies in this folder and our uh, testimonials in this area, we can absolutely give that client a slightly lower bid than somebody who um, doesn't have any assets yet assembled. And we're going to need to do that work with them. Um, and that's fine. But I think part of that uh, pricing decision isn't only how often are we going to need to step in and, and more interview that uh, program person and, and take that a little bit extra time to learn those things. 
but also just the nature of where they're going to be. Because even that extremely well-developed client, if we're doing a lot of U.S. government grants for them, um, those are extremely time-intensive things to get correct. We just, even though they, they might say, well, it's four applications, like, well, four applications at 80 pages per is a very different thing than four applications of, you know, six, 500 word questions or whatever the other thing may be. So we've really tried to gauge not just how much can the client step in, but what really are we going to be needing to fill in the blanks on and how, what kind of applications are they going to be best suited for and try to customize that because there are those that will ask for an hourly. And I don't love that. We've talked about that before, you and I, Holly, uh, as opposed to a deliverable rate. And if they just say a grant is a grant, well, no, <laughs> not, not every grant takes the same amount of time and energy. And we really have to understand which ones we're going to invest the time in that might have a much more meaningful return. Uh, and those others that are relatively easy to do and how many of those we might be able to help turn around. Uh, so pricing, I think, has to take all of that into consideration. Absolutely. Yeah. And, and, it's, and it's interesting because a lot of the clients who aren't as comfortable writing grants, who don't have as much information, they sometimes their annual budgets are a lot lower too, right? Because they're just mm -hmm. not in right. that position. So it's like kind of a, you know, interesting uh, thing to look at with your pricing too, right? So it's like, yeah. and, and it is too, though, what you said is those clients who may not be as comfortable writing grants, however, um, they might not be writing as many federal grants at that point in time then. Right. right. So it is maybe different grants to look at as well. Foundation grants, like you said, like those lower words or, you know, minimal um, pages, et cetera. But those can still take a lot of work as well, especially when you're developing a lot of that. So how do you get away from feeling like a ghostwriter then, um, you know, in that situation? Because a lot of freelance consultants, like grant writers that I work with, they sometimes say like, how much do I contribute? Like you said, they're not the program manager, but a lot of times they feel like they're put in that situation because the nonprofit isn't really clear about what they want to do. And they just say, write this grant. Right. I think that it's different to think, right, I'm putting myself into the uh, the voice of this charity and I want them to sound, you know, uh, as uh, compelling and interesting and, and complete as we can make them sound. So when you say kind of ghostwriter, I'm like, yeah, I want it to sound like it came from them, but really well written, really well constructed, very easy to follow, right information at the right time. And they're maybe not great at that. Where I hear you on the, the ghost thing is, that, and I run into this more often than I care to, is charities will come in with a uh, opportunity that, that somebody has forwarded to them saying, mm -hmm. oh, this, this great grant opportunity. Can you write this up for us? And I read through it. I'm like, you don't actually do that. And they're like, well, but we could. We, we yeah. could do it. So and like, now, now you want me to write to a program versus mm -hmm. writing you a grant. You want me to create from whole cloth, a brand new program for your organization that you haven't envisioned. Mm -hmm. Can I step in and become your, you know, temporary ED to, to envision this new thing that it's now going to get funded. Um, that doesn't feel quite, you know, right where we are being asked then to um, create a, a thing that doesn't actually exist in any way, shape or form for the organization yet to answer questions about how they would do it. And I think sometimes our clients get really used to us coming in, doing that kind of journalistic interview, reading all of the past information, summarizing it so well that they're like, but you write so well, you can just write that. I'm like, we write about all the things that you've been able to envision and think of and strategically plan and whatnot, but the stuff that hasn't been done yet, <laughs> asking us to write that is, is a little different and it does feel a little you know, ghosty there. And I do 
have to push back sometimes with those clients and say, when you've taken the moment to really envision why you want to do that program, who's going to manage it, how much that's going to cost and all the rest of it, um, and then come back and start thinking about how we're going to fund it. We can absolutely help you with that program, but reverse engineering it where you find a funding stream that wants to pay for something that you don't kind of yet do, uh, and then asking us to create that for you, that that doesn't feel great, and I don't think is very successful. Yes, yes, and I completely agree, and and like you said, I, I get approached to do that more often than not, you know what I mean? So it is interesting, uh, it's kind of this this myth tied with grants as far as like, oh, cha-ching, I see the money and now I want to apply for that thing. And, but it could be mission drifting or maybe it's not, maybe it is a program that does fit, but like you said, they're not doing it yet. So then they put everything on you to basically develop a business plan for that new program. Right. So um, definitely, you know, that is working with the client very closely then. And that could be an entirely different price, right, to kind of sort through that, you know, because you're right. doing the development, the planning on that. So that does kind of put your hat in a different situation um, as far as like business plan. Right. Right, well, and, and to your earlier point about that, you know, that master's degree or those past experiences that we bring into the table as those consultants is sometimes we are in a place where we can contribute that level of expertise about a program creation, mm -hmm. where we can start thinking about job descriptions that might need to be filled or, uh, you know, outcome measurement tools that don't exist yet, but we know how you can help put them together. Mm -hmm. But if, if they want to call on that part of our expertise, and that is going to take more time, right, you, you've got to be able to carefully go back to your existing scope of work with that client and say, right now, how we're working doesn't support us doing that. But we do have expertise that could help you create some of those things over time. And maybe you want to engage us for that too. And we can talk about changing that scope of work and, and or adding a new one or whatever the right thing may be. Because there are times when we're working with clients who've had a great vision for the start of that nonprofit, but in the process, as they deliver services and they meet people in the community, they hear this other need just over and over and over. And they have no experience with creating something outside of their first core com com uh, competency. Um, and many of us that have been writing grants and doing lots of other things in the sector are used to getting into those start up modes in other spaces and can maybe answer some good questions about that that those folks can't but as you're saying it is such a different project than it is to just um, really tell the story of an existing program well that you know we, we got to be careful about uh, what does that agreement say and how are we holding ourselves accountable to what we promised we would do and uh, the client too holding them accountable as well right and, and that's really really great to say you know that could be something you could do, but you, you know, especially after more conversations, but to really make sure your scope of work then is explained well, because that would be an additional scope of work potentially, right? So um, mm -hmm. kind of getting into that, that's a great segue then as far as like expectations, right? From both sides yeah. and how you set that up from the beginning with your contracts, um, which is good for both, both parties really, you know what I mean? It doesn't just benefit the consultant. It definitely benefits the nonprofit um, leaders as well, like whoever you're working with, because they need to understand too, like what you're going to be doing and what their responsibilities are. So how do you kind of lay those terms out? Is that after you have a conversation with them? Like what do you traditionally do? Yeah. I mean, every uh, work 
piece has to begin with something in writing, even if it will be refined and understood better when you've been working together for a while. Uh, but you've got to begin somewhere with laying down, we see um, this scope of, of fund opportunities for you. And we also do individual donor campaigns and communication support. So we have a broad range of services in addition to the grants work. Mm -hmm. uh, but whatever that client may want, if they've come to us just for grant support and they, those, they want those things, we really need to understand uh, where are their best opportunities in order to write something that works well. So if they are in that more startup mode, they're you know under a quarter of a million dollars in annual revenue so far, you're not going to be taking big swings at half million dollar government contracts. Mm -hmm. Then you can write down, we're going to do you know X number of these applications from this pool. It'll take you know approximately this long to do. We need you, and here's where I think that expectation comes in, uh, to give us timely review. When we ask you to give us feedback on a draft uh, by a deadline, we got to hear back from you in order to make this whole process work. You know, you we, we can't make our deadlines if you can't make your deadline back to us about, yep, that draft makes sense, or nope, you missed something over here. We need you to add these other pieces. Um, we'll always need that part of the process to be um, well understood in, in that agreement with the client of we'll do those drafts you need to review you need to get back to us within this time frame then we can submit we'll make those deadlines but after we've done that for a little while I find most of the clients that we're working with uh, are um, able to just have a conversation about expectations without having to make big changes to the scope of work as long as what we're doing isn't fundamentally different okay. if they're like oh you know what we said we would make these revisions by this date, but that process just isn't working for us. How do we fix it? And we'll have a conversation with them together about, you know, we just have to back this up, this timeline differently. Let's, you know, make it a week earlier. We don't always have to go back and change a whole scope of work around a, a informal agreement to go, we work better when we have this process instead of the other. Let's just start doing that. Yeah. And as long as everybody's uh, communicating well and feeling good, then great. I, I think it's good to be able to just talk them through. Uh, I do it on uh, most of my clients, we have just weekly sit downs on the process of how we're working together, uh, where we're going over deadlines and looking at language and talking about potential applications. But that's a great opportunity every week to sit down with them and go, you know, when, when we ask for uh, client numbers uh, in this thing, I got to have them by, you know, whatever date, and we're having trouble getting them. How do we fix that problem? And yeah. mostly they want us to be successful. So mostly they help us find the way to fix it. Oh, I love that. I love I love that concept too of weekly meetings. And even if that's just a short meeting, you know, to say, hey, right. let's touch base, 15 minutes, whatever, maybe it's longer yep. sometimes, but hey, let's just touch base. This is where we are. Um, and I think that's, is that, do you usually do that like on Zoom or in person versus just email those meetings? Yeah, um, it's almost exclusively Zoom these days. There's a few of the uh, folks that like to meet in person every now and again. There's a few folks that prefer to have that asynchronous check-in with a email or just a task manager. You know, we'll sometimes share things like Asana where we've got those uh, tool tasks going back and forth and, and we just need to know that we'll have those tasks updated by a time that yeah. everybody is, is on board with. But most of the people I work with are really good these days at a fairly concise Zoom uh, you know, sometimes depending on how involved we are with the client, it is, a, I had this happen earlier today, uh, we took the full hour. Yeah. Uh, we, we, we keep a, an hour scheduled with that client every week and we used every minute of it today. Um, but most often it's, you know, we schedule a half an hour and we use 20 minutes or we schedule an hour and we use 40 minutes or whatever, because we, we know how to work together, but having the check-in. 
um, yeah. is such a great backstop to be able to come back to them and go, I've been trying to reach a program manager about numbers served and I'm not getting the answer I need. And then I get a little help on their side. Oh, that's really good. And I, and I love that because even for them, it's so good, right? So when mm -hmm. I've hired consultants, even for my company before, and then we've had weekly check-ins, I've loved it. And, and you're yeah. like, they're usually very short, but I just want to know like, well, what work are they actually doing? What's getting done? And I might see some stuff, but I'm not seeing everything, right? But you can, when you have that weekly check-in, they're like, oh yeah, I did this, this, and this. And it adds a little more context to it as well for what I'm paying for, which is fantastic <laughs> on my end, right? So I, I see the benefit for both sides too definitely and and it can be that I mean that can eliminate so many problems so I'm so glad that you mentioned that not just laying out the expectations from the beginning but having that weekly meeting and a lot of grants like you're gonna you're gonna want to be doing that anyways because you're gonna be talking about things within the grant but just for like what's going on and overall if you have multiple grants and multiple work that you're doing for them that's a great great place um so as far as um in the beginning, though, before those like getting the numbers or whatever, one of the biggest things I hear as well is just getting information, like not even the review, but like I need, you know, your whatever I need information about your program. And it, it comes back like you just so, so the grant writer can get started. Right. So they can start mm -hmm. doing research for for grants and they're just not really getting that. So they can't even really start yeah. writing grants. So can you kind of talk about that a little bit too on how to maybe mitigate that? Sure. No, I'm, I'm smiling for those that are only listening to the audio portion of this because uh, I, I think that there have been um, times where uh, lacking the ability to really get what I've been asking for, that's uh, maybe a little bit, you know, the relationship's newer, we don't have as yeah. much of a catalog of grants to review and understand how we've talked about these things before. And we're looking for the first time to really make sure we're hitting the tone right for them. Um, sometimes if I'm not getting what I need, I can uh, draft some stuff from other public things that they've done, their website, their 990, their annual report, if they have one, um, and start looking for tone and direction and whatnot. But I tell you the number of times where I put that information um, back to the client from their own stuff. And they're like, well, that's not us. I'm like, oh my gosh, that's what you're saying to the world is who you are. <laughs> you're not reading your own website anymore, are you? Okay. Yeah, okay. Uh, but, but that is one thing that has helped me in the past get past that barrier is to um, give them a draft that does have some stuff that isn't correct or current or whatever anymore. And then there, the conversation is out of this whole cloth of help me understand how you want to talk about this help me understand why you do this but rather you know on the third paragraph when you said that we deliver services at this we're not even at the location anymore okay good we, yeah. we're we're starting now we're talking about what's really still happening and if it has to come to that very concrete example of you know that service location moved or you know that staff member isn't with us anymore or whatever the thing may be but then the door is open and we start really hearing more about uh you know how does this impact your community and where is it going but sometimes we have to get the the ball rolling by uh echoing whatever we can find from them as a starting pitch of you know this is how i've seen you talk about yourself does this feel right mm -hmm, mm -hmm. I like that and, and and yeah it's like gathering that bits of information right and that makes your work longer too right so that adds mm -hmm. a lot more time because you're not able just to get like okay a past grant that you submitted or whatever right so you can pull from some kind of something um so and I and that usually like you said that's 
pretty much before the relationship has really started kicking in. That's a newer, right. kind of like, you know, trying to figure out that those parameters. So I say, don't be afraid to ask, like keep asking. And it's like, well, how many times too many? It's like, well, if they're not delivering, once again, if you have those expectations and the scope of work that you need this, these documents by this date, I mean, obviously you don't have to just stop it the day after if you don't have it, uh, although you could, but you know what I mean? Right. You can flexibly kind of work with them, but there's got to come a point where you're like, look, I just didn't have it, right? So what else am I supposed to do? And I've been following up. So I definitely say, you know, state how many times you followed up, always have it in writing as well, even if you've called, you know what I mean? Those kind of things. Yeah. So um, definitely, I mean, that's not a, the best place to start off with, but I think you can kind of mitigate some of that, like you had talked about by saying, let's have these weekly weekly call-ins, these weekly meetings. Yep. There you can really fix a lot because that can already be scheduled. It can be on, you know what I mean, in their calendar, all of that. So it can kind of be a little bit easier to get to that deadline and then talk about what else you're missing. So I definitely like that um, a lot as far as, because that's just like, we want to write the grants. We want to be able to spend our time wisely. And we want you guys to have the benefit, the full benefit of utilizing a consultant mm -hmm. as well, right? For a nonprofit. So um, right. yeah, did you want to add to that? Well, just that idea that I think they're coming to us um, with this sometimes maybe unrealistic expectation of, you know, how can somebody else write a story they don't really understand yet and all that. But often I do find this part of why I love this work so much is um, they will think about themselves in terms of very tactical things. Well, we open the door at 830 and then a client comes in and they fill out a piece of paper. And I'm like, okay, good. I need to understand that part. And that's helpful. But we're here to tell the story of, you know, what happens when that client gets the help that they need, they learn the thing they wanted to learn, they engage with the neighbors they wanted to engage with, where does that go? And when they see us tell that bigger story um, than, than just the microcosm of how they live their day every day, um, I've had so many organizations come back to me later going, wow, you, we, we sound really good. I'm like, you are really good, yes. but you get so stuck in your thing that maybe you don't see that all the time. And it's our job to help really tell that big complete story. And they feel great, like, oh, this writer who just thinks about this in this context of telling the story to somebody else gets how that works better than I do as the person who's kind of really focused on, I really wish the printer was working today and it's not, <laughs> you know? Um, it feels great to be able to do that, but then, we've got some language that they are really excited about. And it's so much easier to start working with that same tone, amending that language for the next application. So we're not writing it from whole cloth. We're being able to take some pieces that still make sense and move them. And uh, it just gets better with more experience that way. I love that. And I, and, and I just love how you set up that, that whole, you know, relationship building really. And to say, look at the end of the day, like, that's going to be a long-term relationship potentially, right? Because you are going to understand them. They're, they're going to feel the nonprofits are going to feel really confident that you're telling their story. Well, they can focus on them fixing that printer, right? You know what I mean? And the 24 right. hour kind of like fires <laughs> going on in nonprofits, right? They can figure leading and doing their job rather than just writing the grants and having to do all that on top of their job, right? So it's, it is a good uh, relationship. Absolutely. And I know we did talk about this a little bit on um, your nonprofit or your uh, podcast, um, Next to Nonprofits. And, you know, we talked about the beauty of hiring a consultant, right? So yeah. 
because of those things. So did you just want to kind of touch on that as well as, you know, what a, a nonprofit, like these are great benefits, you know, to create a relationship, right, with collaborating with a grant writer or, or a nonprofit consultant to do some of these works. And this is how it can work really, really well. But why, what else is the benefit of that, of hiring a consultant rather than staff? Yeah, I mean, there's, there often begins that relationship with just, I need this task done. You know, I've got to get these applications out where we, we need to maintain these things. I, I need more help than I necessarily have in here. I can't find somebody to hire as an internal person to do that, that, that does it well and sticks around. So that's, the, they start with that very task-oriented thing. But when they come to an outside expert who's really spent a, a career learning how to craft messages that are interesting and tell the story and do the rest of it, they find that they've not just got hired somebody to get a test done. They've hired an expert that does it better than they do it. Mm -hmm. And they get so grateful and so excited to go, wow, we're not, you know, professional writers here. We do childcare or we do music lessons or we do any number of other great nonprofit things. But their staff doesn't have the expertise to tell that story in a way that hopefully good, skilled, practiced grant writers, and if you're not skilled and practiced yet, write more grants. I heard you say that one earlier, Holly. Uh, you'll, you'll get there. But they, they start to shift from you're the person that does the task to you're the partner that really does this well, that gets it done for us in a way that we're excited about. And that relationship just visibly shifts to, you know, I'm a uh, person that hired you for this thing to we're partners that are doing this together because you're really good at that part and I'm really good at this part and we're going to make something great happen. And that's just a wonderful place to be. Oh, I love that. That's awesome. Yeah, and it is. It's about that collaboration is really, I like to think of it as this beautiful partnership, right? A beautiful relationship that can really go on for a long time. And I've had clients come back to me after contracts have ended, wanted me to write different things, knowing I know their programs, right? Being able to jump back in. Um, so, and those are easy yeses for me when I have a relationship and I understand the way that they work, right? And we already yeah. have that kind of set up. So um, that's definitely something to consider is, you know, when you're looking at collaborating, like you said, spelling out the terms, who's going to do what, right? And having those weekly meetings can really be beneficial so just this, hey, let's touch base. Let's figure out what's going on. I'm here for you, right? This is what we're working on. This is what I need from you. <laughs> just, mm -hmm. And it can be done in 15, 20 minutes sometimes, right? But that can save hours and hours and hours of billing for work, right? That you're yeah. having to try to do yourself when you're not getting any kind of um, communication. So communication and collaboration is very, very essential, right? To making this work into a relationship. So Great, great, um, uh, you know, uh, just I items on this and issues and kind of bringing it up and figuring out who's going to do what. Is there anything else that you wanted to lend to collaborating, how you can do it well together? Uh, I guess the, the final word I would maybe throw out there is, uh, you know, sometimes we do run into a relationship with a staff member, a bottleneck or whatever that doesn't work so well. And I think being flexible about saying, but, you know, that's the person that knows the answer and they're not giving it to me and I can't get for you know, Mike, there's probably somebody else that can help as an intermediary there. And that's the other piece of this collaboration is not every relationship with every staff member has to be perfect. They've just got to be well enough that we get to the answers we need. And maybe we have to be creative around um, is that person's uh, um, colleague, you know, in the uh, in the office, maybe not perfect, but better than the one that I was trying to reach. You know, let's be creative. Let's find the, the folks that are willing to help us. And let's get that that collaboration done so that they're really excited about the outcome. 
Oh, I like that. Yeah, definitely. And I've, I've done that a lot too, where it's like, you know, you ask and you're like, well, they don't, your contact may not know that information, but they can give you points of contact, right? So it's like right. also understanding like who's the gatekeeper who can like remove, you know, <laughs> the gates yeah. or the locks from the doors so you can get in the door and get, get the information from the person that you need and those introductions. So that's really important too. I love that. Awesome. So next to nonprofits, you guys not only a number are not only a podcast, but like I mentioned before, you also have a consulting uh you have your consulting business. So you actually do a lot of fundraising. What other things do you guys do with um, collaborating with nonprofits? Well, we offer a full range of things in communications and fund development. So it is individual donors, it's um, managing communications channels, uh, email, print publications, uh, social media posts, all those things to try and build relationships with potential supporters for the organization. So the focus does kind of come back to, uh, you know, whether it's a, a, a government officer that's making a decision about a grant application or an individual uh, donor recipient, those people need to understand and be compelled by that story. And we help charities get those pieces done for themselves across that range. Uh, and it's a lot of fun to be involved with a range of people that have such wonderful things to contribute, but again, maybe not the expertise to tell those stories well, and it's great to be able to help them with that. Right. That's awesome. I love that. So yeah, definitely there's a huge need for what you guys do out there in the nonprofit sector. Um, you know, more and more people, more and more nonprofits are going online, they're going into all this tech kind of places, and they're just not used to it right so they really yeah. for it like because that's just can be overwhelming and can suck their time into a specialty that they know yeah. nothing about so um even for me like as a consultant i love hiring other consultants that can do one specific thing that they're amazing at and that i don't want to spend a thousand hours learning <laughs> you know what i mean mm -hmm. so it's very true and no matter if you're a consultant or a nonprofit or a for-profit organization hiring someone that has a specialty is really really beneficial for your company or your organization a lot of times <laughs> yep. yeah so definitely you guys check out the podcast as well next to nonprofits um and you can definitely find you guys at next to nonprofits.com and we'll also have yep. the links in the show notes Thank you so much, Steve, for coming on the podcast today and talking about this important issue. I really appreciate it. Absolutely, Holly. Just a pleasure to talk to you. Yay, and we'll definitely have you back on. Cool. I hope you enjoyed today's episode with Mr. Steve Boland of Next in Nonprofits. For all of today's show notes, please jump over to grantwritingandfunding.com forward slash 223. And would you please do me a favor? If you love this podcast, and I know you do because you're still listening, please leave a review on iTunes or on your podcast player as that does help other people find the podcast. Thank you so much, and I'll see you next week.